Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Chris, last time we were on, you, uh, made, I don't know if it was a mistake or if it was a good thing, but you uh, brought up a story about marriage and proposing in the context of a sales conversation. And I cannot let you off the hook, man. Oh, no. Lay it well, on me. Well, thankfully, I, I don't think my wife listens to the show. So let's risk it. Uh, I, I, you know, and I've been thinking about this, obviously, because where we're at today in the process, with with the idea of the proposal and what we were talking about last time with how you can rush it and i i mean this is how i'm wired up and and it's a strength but all strengths become a weakness and i've learned that and so i've now i know how to pause but you know at 43 i know how to pause at 21 i'm like i've been waiting for her we meet on a blind date it was like so clear uh for her and me both and so but opposites attract so where I'm a decisive person, she is not. Decisions can scare her. So I, I'm not paying attention to that. She's like, you know, ready to shop for rings. We shop for rings. I'm like, she wants me to propose right now, right? Not even, no no hesitation in my mind. And so uh, I, I drive like four hours to hang out with her for the weekend. My buddy was back at my apartment and he knew I was going to be gone all weekend. It was going to be his, his place to stay at. And... Uh, I had all this planned out. And at the time, I was much more of a overly syrupy, kind of like put too much pressure on the moments kind of person. Um, definitely raised that way, you know. And at Thanksgiving, you had to say things at the table that were going to be just moving and all this stuff. And so I kind of just made the moment too heavy. On top of that, oh, this is so embarrassing to tell you. The place sucked in the sense of like, I thought it was cool, but but it was some dude's house I was staying in that she had set it up for me. And anyway, all of that was just wrong. So the ring is on her finger. She says yes in the moment, but then all of this hits her. And in no way, no shame to her, just why opposites attract. She starts crying and she goes, take it off. And I'm like, what? And yes, not to compare it to sales, but if sales is a leadership competency, here's a leadership failure. I've rushed, I've gone too fast, and now. So it was just sad and dramatic and exhausting. And I wake up the next morning, I take her home, and I wake up the next morning and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go back. You know, four hour drive from Columbus to Louisville. I call my buddies in my apartment. I was like, I'm coming home, man. He's like, I thought you were gonna be there for the weekend, you're proposing. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, she said no. You know, it was just so surreal. So I go back and I eat barbecue and cried during a movie that we watched. It's <laughs> just crazy, dude. But it's such a powerful reminder of when you make 
the moment about you or when you miss the cues or you move too fast is painful. That's, yeah, it's, it's an amazing story. And I'm sure everybody listening uh, who's married uh, is going through <laughs> their own story because, you know, it's really interesting because I can, I can think about my own story. Uh, and uh, I mean, to a large degree, that moment for me and my wife, it was about me, right? Because I was the one mm. taking the initiative. Uh, as I think back, I had help <clears throat> in a sales context. So, uh, and we'll, maybe we'll save that for another time. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm wanting to ask. That's so funny. How did you have help? Well, help? Uh, <laughs> so the reason I say it was all about me was because when I sat her down, and again, I didn't have like some elab elaborate crazy thing. Uh, we were freshly minted out of school and poor and everything else, so it wasn't like this was uh, thoughtful. But I just couldn't. I could not exist another day or another hour without, um, you know, without referring to her as my fiance. I couldn't call her my girlfriend anymore. Mm. Was at that point, so it was all about me. I I could not just, I just couldn't. And uh, we lived in Buffalo. She lived in Boston. So her and her mom drove out to Buffalo, and uh, just to meet parents, meet that kind of thing. Mm. You know, Beth. Um, naive Beth was like, Hey, you're just coming out to meet your parents. Her mom was like, no, you're, you're, he's going to ask you to marry you. So the whole ride, eight hours, that's what my wife was dealing with. So I had an insider preparing her. <laughs> that I does help. Yeah, it did help. It did help. It did help. Yeah. So, I mean, it just goes to show a lot of you know sales guys, we can do everything right. Miss one thing. That we, and it should have cost us the deal, and um, and uh, thank goodness, uh, you know, we win one, right? Broken cheers, clock. Cheers to that! Yeah, that I mean, twenty-one be. years this summer, three kids, oldest about to graduate high school, and we did a landscaping project this weekend, and we stayed married. And you survived, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> outstanding. But I think I think at one point, Brandy did say. If we do another one of these, we'll get divorced. <laughs> yeah, man. Let's just contribute to the economy. Let's get some people over here. Spread the wealth. That's it. Uh, yeah, so it's cool. So, you know, I love... It's really funny that we're talking about marriage and the topic today is the proposal. And, uh, you know, there's so much to talk about with regard to the proposal. Um, we walk into organizations all the time where um, they have no problem getting leads, they have no problem getting first meetings, they have no problem engaging customers, they have a real problem with their win rate. Mm. Um, and it turns out they propose too soon. Mm. Right? Ouch. Um, yeah, I feel and, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great example. Um, you know, we... Uh, we also, you know, we're proposing to people who aren't qualified, right? Mm -hmm. Who are never going to buy anyway. 58% mm -hmm. uh, of a B2B sales pipeline is full of opportunities that never make a buying decision. They don't buy from you. They don't buy from your competition. Mm -hmm. They were really just there to kick the tires and mess around. And you never should have had them in the pipeline to begin with. Yeah. So we propose too soon. 
we propose to people who don't belong in the pipe. And another big part of this is that we uh, we choose to negotiate. We make a conscious decision as salespeople to, to negotiate price after the proposal. So we, and that's one of the things that contributes to proposing too soon, right? We just, mm -hmm. hey, yeah, needs, solution, boom, here it is. We email it over. Uh, it's got stuff in it that was never discussed live. You expect them to read through it, make a decision, make a commitment and move forward. And if they can't, then you expect them to call you to negotiate, right? Which is just, if you think about it, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then you're negotiating, you're negotiating after the fact, and you have no idea really where you stand in the deal. So we want to we want to just try to address some of these things and make sure that we avoid that. And the wins methodology is really designed to, to avoid that from the beginning. Mm. So what we want people to have in their minds is this concept: when you meet someone for the first time, your goal is to make a strong recommendation before you propose. And the nature of the WINS model, wants, impacts, and needs, W plus I plus N equals problem. Your job is to define the problem so, it, so you can make a strong recommendation. So you can then discuss your recommendation, pluses, negatives, good, bad, price range, right? Based on the problem, you can expect to spend between X and Y. You get everything out on the table at that point, and you and you even may even challenge the person you're talking to before you give them your recommendation and say to them, "Look, are you willing to tell me no, right here, right now?" They say yes. You say great. You give the recommendation, yes or no, uh, good, bad. What would you change? And you and you duke it out. You deal with it right there. Yeah. And the last question is, is this something you can sign off on? Yes. Do you see any reason why the rest of the folks in your team wouldn't sign off on this? No. Any mm -hmm. barrier to getting this thing signed in the next um, two weeks? No. Can you foresee anything coming up? Now, you're asking that question because, you know, vacations, other priorities, a million things can get in the way of making that happen. No. Outstanding. When can we schedule a time to review the proposal? Who should be on the call? I'm not sure. Who do you think? Well, I want this, 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 and this person. Right? Everybody who could blow up the deal should be on that call so they can address the recommendation at that point in time. And then if that person you're talking to can be uh, creating less friction for you in advance of that presentation by socializing the, what he or she has agreed to, great. Yeah. Right? But it's, it's all about how you walk into that opportunity and, and and the idea that the idea that you have this concept that the conversation is about identifying a problem right a shared problem walking you down that shared path and in your mind is this dialogue when they stop you and say you know enough questions give me a price enough questions what do you recommend you come back with i'd be happy to give you a price or i'd be happy to Give you more insight about what I think. Would you mind if I ask you a few more questions? Mm. Right. My goal is to be able to make a strong recommendation, and I don't feel like I can do that right now. Mm. That's how you, in your mind, set you up. You set yourself up. If you've got three hours of questions and you've only got a half an hour, take your time. Run the half hour call like you've got three hours. 
at the end of the call, great conversation. I've got a lot of good insight, but I have some more questions before I can give you a strong recommendation. Mm. When, when can we pick this up again? Mm. And, th- and so it's that, that's how you give yourself that patience. And that's how you also kind of bring that buyer along in a patient way and in a, in a um, caring and giving way and establish your, establish that mantle of leadership because you're walking them down a path that they can respect. And by the way, it's entirely different than what they're going to experience from most of the salespeople. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I mean, it keeps bringing back to mind this idea that the model, the methodology, the approach, the process brings light into any dark places. Because if that light isn't there in that darkness, the fear of the monster grows, the shadow of the compromise. And then whether it's a monster that starts to grow in their head or yours, and then, you know, you lose momentum, you get a misunderstanding, uh, all the things that can happen. And what you're lining out here as a process, we get to this point that we can make this strong recommendation because we've brought light into every place darkness could grow. And that to me is, you know, what's so powerful about it. It's effectively leading them and leading them in a way that you can be proud of that with your values. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, a great, it's a great comment, Chris. And you, you know that I use the phrase shadows. Um, when we look at sales organizations, we oftentimes see shadows that leaders allow to exist where their salespeople hide, mm. right? We call them shadow people because they like to hide in the shadows where they are not held accountable. Mm. Now, a lot of people turn away from accountability because it puts them on the spot. A lot of people love accountability because it it uh, gives them insight and information that allows them to get better. Mm. So, right, when you work with leaders and develop them, right, we're developing them um, uh, beyond their insecurities, identify and remove those insecurities. One of the big insecurities is, shit, I don't want to be found out to be somebody that I don't want to be. But you know what? When we're leading a sales cycle, it's the same thing. Oftentimes, if we're afraid to talk about money, We'll, we'll leave that shadow there. Let's ignore money until they bring it up. Uh, anything else that we might be afraid of or we don't want to talk about, we're not prepared to talk about, we can allow those shadows to exist in the conversations that we have with our clients. Uh, we're, we're more like vampires <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> than people who seek light. Well, and the method I learned relationally, and I don't like this, from my own um, past, I'll say, was not to to hide like the vampire, but more like the car salesman, where you make it look like it's something, but it's actually not. You're being manipulative. And I don't mean that in a way derogatory towards people that are out there busting their hump trying to grow a car business. I mean that in the way of the stereotype, right? The insurance person, and we've got friends in these industries, the stereotype of the person that uses fear to to get people. And so what's powerful for me about this process is it takes me out of trying to rush over, gloss over uh, things, because then we, we got to get in this agreement and then we'll take care of everything else, rather than it's this effective leading 
that's happening, this process. Um, yeah. It, and, and even in my own life, um, this is super personal to say it this way. Hopefully it'll not scare people away too much. I care more about defeating and growing through the demons of my past than I do about what's in my bank account. Cause I know that's the main thing. Like when I'm in laying in bed at night, I'm like, okay, there's some things I don't want to repeat to my children and repeat my leadership legacy and heritage and process. And the wins model is a beautiful example of what it means to slow down, to not try to keep something in the shadows or to not try to perform a magic act and redirect their attention away from something, <laughs> but to stand actually in what's happening, you know? Right, right, right. When I, when I hear you talking, um, it reminds me of the way that I address that idea is there is a, there's a part of us as salespeople, as leaders, as parents, right? We, we are, taught to believe through the media that the more seductive you can be, the more powerful you can be. Mm -hmm. And that is meant to apply it's in sales, for example. And, you know, just watch the Wolf of Wall Street, right? Um, sell me this pen. And somebody who can get on the phone and manipulate somebody else out of forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 that they were going to use to buy a house to invest in a penny stock that's worthless. You know, that is, that is, we all know it's wrong, but it's celebrated. And so in our mind, we view the path of success as learning that path to seduction. Hmm. And even if it's been done to us and we didn't like it, we still believe that's the way to go. And there's a lot of folks, uh, there's millions and millions of people out there running their own businesses, solopreneurs, uh, venture-backed startup founders, um, CEOs of billion-dollar companies who don't think about sales or focus on sales, don't understand sales because they really believe it's that gross practice based on seduction. And what we're talking about, the wins model, is based on attraction. Mm pure and simple. And, and it's, it's about coming from a place of abundance versus scarcity. Yeah. So if you, the only way you can really apply the wins model and, and get through that and give someone a strong recommendation and then have the nerve to slow down and test whether or not your recommendation actually is going to stick live on the phone instead of just pitching something through email and waiting for the yes or no, because you're afraid to have that conversation is you have to be living in a, uh, and existing and operating in a world of abundance, a mindset of abundance so that you can have a conversation that's attractive. Mm. You can mm. become that individual who's, a, who's going to attract people to you versus living in a world of scarcity. Here's what I don't have, right? My boss is busting my chops. I need to hit this number. If I don't, I'm screwed. If I don't, I, I might lose my job. If I don't, I can't pay my mortgage. If I don't, I can't show up in that brand new mm. shiny car to impress my friends, right? This scarcity mindset that, that makes us think that we have to be seductive to be successful. That's really the ugly formula, the gross formula we're talking about 
the antithesis of that. And we're yeah. giving people a path to step out of that shadow and into something that's really fun and rewarding. Yeah. I love it. I resonate with thinking about it like, am I pressuring them into this or am I inviting them into this? And done well, a, a proposal becomes a strong recommendation. And, and and tell me if this makes sense, if I'm saying this in a way that you resonate with. It's an invitation they're waiting to get. You know, they get it and they're like, yes, I wanted to be invited into this. You know, this is this strong recommendation. And I love the touch of the phrase, the the brushstroke that strong recommendation brings. May I make a strong recommendation to you? You know, it's so relaxing and relational. I mean, you've done it with me countless times in meetings. I love it. And I hear it and I know what's happening and I still enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it only works, you know, and let's go. This is a great opportunity to go back to the beginning, right? So. If you think about what we're doing here, we're identifying a problem and we're agreeing to the problem, right? Think about the four agreements, the first three of the four agreements, wants, impacts, needs. Why change? Why now? Why buy anything? Why change? Because I want something. Why now? Because the impact is too great to ignore. Why buy? Because I'm there's something missing. There's something standing in my way. Those three components make the problem. And so in advance of providing my strong recommendation, I am reviewing that problem. You have to have agreement on the problem before you can provide your strong recommendation and hope to have agreement on the solution. So yeah, so I don't want to skip over that. Uh, the strong rec recommendation has power immediately after the individual agrees to, yes, you've helped me identify the problem, James. Thank you. Uh, the question again, the question might be, would you like my help? As they say, yes, great. My strong recommendation is. Uh, so it's a very natural conversation. But to, to, to back to your story, Chris, if you're miles ahead of where your customer is, right, they're not going to be able to sincerely and with uh, conviction and commitment uh, say yes to your proposal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a nod back to your bride. Yes. Right? You were way far ahead of her, man. It went, mm -hmm. There was no agreement <laughs> to what was missing, right? She wasn't like, oh, I wish I had a ring. No. I'm lost totally in the woods. Right. Walking right, right, away right. out there. <laughs> so we don't want to repeat that as salespeople. But man, if you can get into that sweet spot and have the discipline, uh, you'll be unstoppable. Yeah. Well, that's the, uh, the, we've said it before, but that's the leadership competency, you know, the number of times in organizations transitioning them that, you know, we're changing the name and the operating structure and just massive, massive reinvention. Um, oh, man, there are times I've just been way too far out there. And there are times I haven't been. I've done it right and done it well. But it does come down to an intentional leadership process. They're engaged. I'm engaged. And we're committed to, you know, this solution that we agree to. The times that I haven't done that, you know, I've had rooms of people upset at me and people getting up and yelling and very dramatic, uh, <laughs> you know, because right. it was a transition process, right? And that's what this is. They're embracing a change by going through this. You're inviting them into that. And so I want to make a strong recommendation to you. What do you do? They met, You make this strong recommendation to them. You gave some great questions at the beginning people can use 
what do you do if you know you prepare people for the worst that would happen right and it doesn't go well where does that take the person that would be going through this process where do they go with that would you say the prepare yeah. them for the worst that could happen what do you mean well somebody goes you know what i looked at the recommendation and i'm not interested anymore mm. uh this doesn't match what we've asked for you know whatever it is but it's a swing and a miss that's it's yeah and it's super simple um if if um you've spent some time identifying the problem and they agree to it and you give them recommendation then then what's what's off right it's either the problem is misidentified or the pro or the recommendation has to be adjusted so you can just say to them well which is it did i did we agree to the wrong problem does the problem not have the priority that you thought it did or did i uh, is there a way that we can improve the recommendation because this is this is where you want the negotiation to start you don't go out go when you don't want to spend a week going back and writing a proposal that they're ultimately going to say no to once it's in writing it's hard to change you can redline something but have it now so it's either one of those two things, Chris. That's the beauty of this model is that you always know where you stand at every point in the sales cycle or the buying cycle, sales mm -hmm. process, I should say, or buying cycle. You always know where you stand. So even at this point, it's one of two things, misdefined problem or a problem without priority or a misdefined solution. Maybe it's a solution that isn't, that doesn't, touch enough, enough of the must-haves versus the nice-to-haves, mm -hmm. right? Lots of things can play there, but that's where you, now you have the dialogue. And it may be, for them, we're dead on, but now they're starting to think about pitching this in, internally and all the people that are going to say no to it or challenge them. So there's all kinds of, you have to, you have to, we have to be open to the idea that the buyer can have some sincere misgivings or bring up some sincere issues because you don't want those to stay hidden until you ask them to sign and they ultimately say no. Mm. I love how clear and strong that is. We got these two things. It gives you a great way to figure that out. Uh, so here's a confession to you, to the people listening. When I have a strong multi, multi-year relationship with a client and, and I've learned this, um, if I skip over and think, well, I'm already strong with them. I can, I can skip over some of this. That doesn't go well because we're in a new area. We're in a new expansion. We're in a new, I'm offering something new, whatever it is. I mean, it's just, and the deal takes longer. It gets modified in a way, you know, whatever. I could go through all the scenarios that yeah. we've talked about before. So I find that really powerful and fascinating to my own experience as I am at the edges of my own learning, applying this. Um, I, you can't. You can't. You can't. And, and, and just for everybody listening, right, we all know, if we're, if we're experienced salespeople, we know that complexity, if, if, if the buying cycle is complex for the buyer, it creates resistance. So if they don't understand if, what, you, what you're selling, if they don't understand the process, if they're not following you along the way, that creates friction and delays the yes, and might even accelerate the no. So to Chris, Chris, to your point, every every step you skip, you are skipping not just a step, but you're skipping a chance to create understanding. Mm -hmm. It's it's an agreement that we're after. 
Why change? So somebody that you've been working with for 30 years comes to you and says, I want to do this. Great. Why? Mm -hmm. Why do anything different? You've got a great business, great life. What are you talking about? This is just going to add something else to your plate and you know, create another to-do. You're going to have to get your team involved. You're going to not forget about the money, but what about your time? What's more valuable to you? And then they sit there and they de- and they defend their decision. They tell you, well, this is why, because I want this. I see an opportunity for this, right? Mm-hmm. The government is going to be regulating my industry. I have to get ahead of it, right? What is the trigger that's driving them to change? I want to, I want to retire and enjoy my grandkids. Screw work, right? I need someone to take over the business. I want to pass it on to the next generation. Whatever the want is, challenge them, identify it. Man, the stronger that want is, the more grounded that is in a in a firm place uh the more the more they can't live without that uh the more firm the active buying cycle is they've got a buying cycle now you've validated it they're not going to get halfway through and say no what's the impact now you're building the business case for it this is why it should be a priority today now what's missing now let's talk about it you cannot skip a step because you skip a step, you create uh, a blind spot for the buyer. You create complexity. They lack understanding, and you're actually making it harder on yourself. Beautiful. And it's been powerful for me to apply this and learn this. For the people listening, go, okay, where can I find a template for a proposal format you would recommend? We're you would actually give a strong nothing. recommendation to. We're just we're just making this up as we go. We're just <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, you know, I'm happy to share whatever anybody wants. Reach out to us. Uh, hit that. Hit the website. There's all kinds of ways to get a hold of us at floristgroup.com. Uh, Maybe spell we're it for me. credits. F L O R I S S group.com. Happy to share any templates you guys want. Happy to walk you through this. Uh, the the goal here is to make this ubiquitous and make this, you know, and, and to really work against all the BS that's out there. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example, Chris, of the BS that exists that could that could seduce you into believing that this is not worth your time. There's a concept out there called BANT. It's an old school concept, B A N T, and it stands for Budget Authority Need Time Frame. Um. It's an old standard. I mean, I'm, it's got to be 40, 50 years old, but it's one of those default standards that people fall to. Mm-hmm. Is it qualified? They use BANT as a qualifier. BANT stands for budget. Do they have budget? Are you talking to someone who has authority? Have you identified their needs? And is there a time frame? You know, once you get, if you got that from somebody, would you be excited? That's the question I ask folks. Well, before meeting you, I would, but now I feel like I need more clarity on the need. Am I understanding your question correctly? Yeah. Well, we'll think about think about it. The first thing you want is budget. Do you have budget? When you think about the wins model, want you you got to have some. What do you want first? Like, what's the ultimate goal? Well, exactly, because their budget may be fifty thousand, but you're going to take them to a vision of half yeah. a million. We all complain. We complain all the time as salespeople. Their budget's unrealistic, right? 
Well, so what's your budget based on? Well, it's based on some bullshit calculation or it's based on what we can afford, yeah. not really based on what impact we have on the, on the organization. Well, what do you want to do? Save money or grow your company? Mm-hmm. If you want to save money, I got an easy way to do that. Don't buy anything. <laughs> so you can see, like, if we are misguided enough to believe that sales is as simple as a formula like this, budget, authority, needs, time frame, authority, are you kidding me? How do you find out if the person you're talking to has authority? Authority to do what? To talk to you or authority to actually make that buying decision? Of course not. There's a, yeah. there's, there could be a buying center involved. And we never believe the person may tell us that they have authority. There's going to be more work done here. Mm-hmm. Needs? Needs is only one part of the entire problem. We're not le- leveraging band to understand the problem. And timely, what makes it timely? Wants and impacts. How do you get to timely? They tell you, yes, we make a decision a month. Now, here's here's what's interesting. Bant is a model that every buyer understands. So what do buyers say when they want to manipulate you as a seller? We have budget. Absolutely have budget. Yes, sir. We got budget. Uh, authority. Yep, I got the authority. What's your needs? Well, let's go through that. What's the time frame? Oh, we want to make a deal. We want to make a decision in the next three, you know, three months, three to six months. Absolutely. Or three to six weeks, right? Buyers know this. They use it to manipulate you when you choose to be the kind of salesperson that believes that this is a game of transactions, not a game built on relationships. Uh, and when you think there's a short shortcut to success, and when you're thinking that this is all about you, right? That you think you can actually approach a conversation in a superficial way and still come out on top. It doesn't add up. The shortcut of Bant leads to can't. <laughs> Boom. I'm out of here. I got nothing else to say after that. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> uh, well, look, man, before we wrap, Chris, give me do me the favor. And I want you to just, I want to do this for the audience uh, because we're at the end now of the third section here. It's a big, it's a big deal. Mm. Um, I want to, I want to go back and just cast, tell the story for the group real quickly. Think about wins in the way in the way that we've applied it over the last few episodes. Wants, impacts, needs, solutions. We, we used we used the wins model to qualify somebody. We're at a trade show, we're at a party, we're at an event. Real quickly, I can ask somebody what their goal is, what the impact is. So, what are you trying to achieve? Why change? Why do anything different? What would be the impact of success, failure, doing nothing? What's missing? I can have that conversation in five minutes on, on a trade show floor or at a networking event or at a party. Mm. And I can also ask, if you had the ideal solution, what would it look like? Qualifying conversation. Mm. You know what it sounds, you, you reiterate back to them what you've heard. I think we can help. When should we talk? Get their business card, give them your business card, write down the uh, time you're going to reach out to them and you go. You now have a qualified lead. Then you use wins uh, to run the sales cycle. It doesn't matter how big that buying center is. When you have that next meeting, you're now going through the wins methodology at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. You're leveraging wins to sell to the entire organization. With each additional individual you meet on the buying center, you're asking them what they want, what the impact is for them personally, what they personally need to make it successful. And then what they would see in an ideal solution. So I'm leveraging wins now to run the sales cycle and build rapport and insight with each of the individuals that are 
part of that buying center. And then I'm using wins at the end of the process. After I've identified the problem, it's time for me to make a recommendation. I reiterate back, here's what we've learned. Here's what we've agreed to. Here are the first three of the four agreements that we've come to. Do I have that right? Yes. Would you like my help? Yes. Here's my strong recommendation. The solution. They say yes. You say, is there any reason why it wouldn't work? No. Any reason why you wouldn't say yes? No. Who should be on the proposal call? When should we schedule it? You go away, write the proposal, make sure your organization can deliver your commitment and make money at it, of course. You bring it back, you present, and you ask, again, you close. Is there any reason why we can't get this thing started the next week? When can I expect your your signature? Great, I'll let my team know. We'll get, have the kickoff call. How about Friday? So WINS is a, is a tool, it's a model that can be used at every step of the sales cycle, and you can practice it over and over again. For me personally, as as um, somebody who's bringing this to market, it's it's inspiring because if I had had this when I was just getting started, uh, it would have made sales so much easier for me. I would have been much better, much quicker in my career uh, instead of having to kind of consume all these more complex models. Yeah, I wouldn't have to be unlearning some bad habits, you know, that I formed. Because, um, I, you know, this... For people that are listening, maybe they're catching just the first episode or two now. It might be helpful for me just to say this, like, you know, over the years, read and studied sales books and and never really – I would take little things away from them, but never really resonated. And and I knew that, like, I was naturally good at sales, um, but I wasn't at my best with it. And as a competency, I wanted to get at my best. And so that's why when I found it, it's why I'm here on this show. It's why, you know, I believe in this. Um, it was like, this is the way. This is the way. It's relational. It's healthy. It's it's a process. It maps onto any situation. So you can customize it within a situation. It's not just tactics or strategy. And so right on. I'm looking forward to the next time. Yeah, Thanks, Betty. Chris. Peace. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.